It's time for the Retire ASAP Podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP Show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and with me I have my co-host, Bradley Fike. Good morning. Hey, is t- it still morning? It, it well, almost. It's eleven fifteen. So, oh, it's still morning. We're getting close. Hey, guess what? What? It's a big day for you. It is thirty years. Yeah, happy anniversary to my wife Paula. By the way, if you're listening, man. Well, it'll be belated by the time she hears it. Though you know, I I remember as a kid trying to do the math when your anniversary came around each year, trying to figure out. Okay, so if they're you know at this point, I'm twenty eight. If they've been married for 30 years, okay, that means I was born two years, you know, a- after they got married, which means that I wasn't born out of wedlock. I've always, I always, you know, wondered that question. Isn't that funny? Oh, 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 oh. And you, you guys told me how many degrading times. <laughs> you must have thought of your parents. No, Come on. I, I think it's just because a lot of my friends may or may not have been born outside of those numbers <laughs> that uh, I always wondered, well, am I a part of that crew too? But hey, you know what? Turns out I'm not. 30 years. Congratulations. They have a term for that. Should I say it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Mom hasn't killed you yet after 30 years. That's a good sign. I uh, might have been close to counters in the past, but uh, <laughs> right now we're all good. The life insurance has expired. She has no motivation anymore. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on 30 years. I haven't said anything to you yet today. I figured I'd save it for the podcast and the recording. But anyway, welcome to our show uh, where we talk all about retirement and early retirement specifically. Uh, we go through tons of different stuff. You can go back into our archives of our episodes and walk through all kinds of different things, whether it's uh, you know budgeting or cash flow, whether it's investing or tax planning, or maybe even some estate planning stuff. We talked through a lot of different things that involve you and your retirement. And last week, we answered some listener, or I guess it was two weeks ago, we answered some listener questions that were really good. And it kind of prompted us to talk a little bit about the the stepping stones that we talk about in our office for people as they go into um, saving and retirement and kind of what is a what's a track or what's a pathway that they can follow as to what are the priorities when it comes to saving? What are the priorities when it comes to investing? What are the priorities when it comes to getting myself ready for retirement, whether I'm 20, 30, 40, 50, 65, whatever it is, what do I need to be focused on? And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. Yeah. And, uh, some of it's uh, very profound and some of it isn't, but it's, as we're like everybody else, we gather information. We're hunters and gatherers. Hunters and gatherers. So we gather right. information from other uh, professionals in the fields and uh, came up with our stepping stones. And so some of it may sound familiar from others and you can, you can shout out to them, but uh, that's our hunter and gathering process. Well, and I think the, the, there's a really wise guy that wrote an ancient book, um, and he said that there's nothing new under the sun. And he might have been, you know, according to that ancient book, maybe one of the wisest people to ever walk the earth. So in that case, if he says there's nothing new under the sun, well, we better just take what we got under the sun and kind of combine it all together and see what we can come up with. And so that's really what it is. There's a couple guys out there that are really prominent in this world when it comes to how do I get my personal finances in order? And one of the big names is Dave Ramsey. Everyone, almost everyone's probably heard of him and his radio show where he gets people out of debt and people do their debt-free scream or something, I think is what they call it on the radio once they finally pay off thousands and thousands of dollars of student loans and credit card debt and all that stuff. Well, he has a really good book called Total Money Makeover that has the baby steps in there of what he kind of guides people along with. 
There's another guy out there that I follow um, from I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. His name's Joseph Sangle. Uh, he's pretty uh, popular in the Christian world when it comes to personal finance. He knows a lot about this stuff. He has, uh, I think he calls it the ladder, uh, the rungs of a ladder. Those are really good. I've taken a little bit of each because I think some of the, some of the information from both sides of the fence, from both of these experts, some of it's good, some of it I don't agree with. So what I did is I kind of combined the things that uh, I feel like are most practical for our clients and things that I run into with my 20-something-year-olds and my 30-something-year-olds that I'm working with in our office. And so I want to go through them. There's eight total stepping stones, eight things, eight priorities that you work your way through. And the way you got to look at this and is that you're looking at each one of these things as the number one priority, then the number two priority. But then if something happens and the number one priority gets out of, you know, out of whack or out of sync, you need to go backwards and fix that one before we move further on down the stepping stones. So this is one of those things where it could be as your life goes on, it's two steps forward, one step back, five steps forward, three steps back, depending on what happens, whether it's a medical expense or whether it's you know a new job or something along those lines, it may change what these stepping stones look like. And really what they are, it's just a framework. It's, it's guiding principles. And so I'm going to throw a couple of these at, at you, Brad, and let, I want to hear what your thoughts are. And the number one stepping stone, priority number one is dun, 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 hmm. a budget. Ooh, we the lovely about word this. of budget. We talked about this not too long ago, and we all know that nobody likes it. But that's really the key piece of, of starting things off is knowing where your money goes. Yeah, I talked to one of my neighbors uh, over the weekend. Uh, he's uh, getting ready to sell a business. And I said, uh, well, you, he's, he's concerned whether he's going to have enough money and he won't outlive it. And I said, well, first thing you need to do is a budget. He goes, I've never done a budget in my whole life. Now, he's a pretty successful self-employed business guy. And uh, I said, well, you need to do a budget. You need to know what it takes to live minimally, you know, basic expenses every month and what you want every month. That's the only way you're going to have peace of mind when you go forward with your retirement. And he says, I hate budgets. I go, so do I. I go, here's my suggestion. Do a budget and then throw it away. I mean, I don't really care if you follow the budget, but you need to know how are you ever going to know if you're going to have enough money? And so he kind of smirked a little bit and said, you know, that's probably not a bad idea. I go, you're just writing it down one time and then you're done. Never deal with it again. And so that's kind of where we left it. Well, and that and that makes sense because I talk to so many people and maybe my, you know, my generation's a little different because we've grown up in this subscription age era where you sign up for something that's dirt cheap, like 10 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever it is. And then you use it for a while and then you forget about it. There is a program out there that is it, it kind of tracks your bank spending and things like that, and it will suggest that you get rid of subscriptions. People my age forget that they have monthly subscriptions. They could add up to 50, 60, 70 bucks a month. They don't even know they have it because they used it for a while, forgot to cancel it. Like those are the kind of things, if you don't set a budget, you're missing out on, well, what are, what are my monthly normal costs? What should I expect? And, and this changes because Tori and I, my wife and I just bought a house last June and we moved into that house and I was scared to death. The month of July and the month of August, I am on pins and needles because I don't know what the new expenses are going to be like. I don't know what the new utility bills are going to be like. I have an idea, but I'm looking, I'm tracking, I'm like, I can't live without having some sort of idea of, man, do I know what's coming out of my bank account each month? Because if I don't know, what happens if I don't have the money in there that month? That's just, that worries me. But some people live every day not knowing that. Right. And so uh, that's the importance of starting 
this whole process. I mean, I think it's a ground, even if you don't follow the budget. However, if you're going to do this right, especially for younger people that have a lifetime ahead of them for planning, you know, that budget should be designed and stuck with throughout life. Right. Um, But when you're in your 60s and you're getting ready to retire and you've never done one, do it one time. If that's what it takes, get it done. That way, it's the only way you're going to find peace of mind in that retirement level. Yeah. And I I think a budget's really important for anyone who has a credit card, because this is how, if you have a budget and you stick to your budget and maybe you use your credit card because it has reward points or miles or whatever it is, and you use it for the rewards. If you don't have a budget and a general idea of what you're putting on that credit card, that's what they're banking on. Those credit card companies are banking on the fact that you're going to, oh, I forgot that there was an extra 300 or 400 bucks on my card this month. I'll just roll that over to next month and I'll pay it off then. That's what they want. And that you know, they put the fancy rewards out there. They're hoping you don't have a budget and planning around this because they make all their money back on those rewards just by one or two months of you being like, oh, shoot, I forgot the 300. I have to pay the late fee or I have to pay the interest. That is the only way if a client comes in and says, I have a credit card. I want to start building my credit. That's great. You need a budget first. You have to have a budget to know exactly how much you're putting on those types yep, of things. I agree with that. And so with that being said, Not only is a budget priority number one, let's go to priority number two or stepping stone number two, and that's having an emergency fund of $2,000. Now, maybe you have some insight as to why that might be important. Well, $2,000 is, um, I guess that's a starting point. So, uh, but, you know, emergency, we don't know when things are going to happen. You know, tires go bad. One tire gets a screw in it and screws the whole tire up. Now I need, you know, $200 or $150 for a cheap tire or on up. Uh, refrigerator breaks, um, stove needs replaced, things things that you don't even plan on. Right. Right. And those are minor expenses because 2000 isn't going to go very far if you get laid off or lose your job for a while. So we're just right. talking getting started, you know. Yeah. And Tori and I just ran into this. Our furnace kicked out on us. It was original with the house and we bought it and I knew this day was coming, but it, you know, it always comes faster than we want it to. And the furnace kicked out on us. Uh, that was the beginning of March, which is right at the end of winter where I'm like, man, do I hold on? Do we go without heat for a month? And my wife looks at me. <laughs> Tight she, wad. She, exactly. She looks at me. She goes, we have a two-year-old in the house. We don't go a month without heat. I go, okay. But we had an emergency fund set aside. And as you'll see, Tori and I are on stepping stone number four and what we're working through right now. But we had just enough of the $2,800. We were working our way towards, uh, like I said, the next stepping stone there. We had $2,800 that were saved up that we could pay for that furnace with. I didn't enjoy it. That was a very painful experience. And now it's taken us backwards in our little financial stepping stone journey for our family. But if I didn't have that there, that money goes on a credit card. And if I still don't have that money after that first month of the credit card, that starts growing from $2,800 to $2,900 to $3,500. To, it just It's snowball effects because you have the interest working against you. And so having that $2,000 emergency fund is a major priority. Once you put your budget together, you know how much you can start saving per month because you have a little bit of a gap between what you're making and what you're spending. Then you put a little bit of that away until you get $2,000 in that savings account. Those are the first two priorities. Then, oh, go ahead. No, I I was just going to say the pushback on that a lot of times is, well, I don't have any room left in my budget to put it away. And then my usual response is, uh, how many times do you go out during the month? How many times do you hit Starbucks or one of the expensive coffee joints? How many times do you eat pizza? You know, I've got people come in here, oh, I go out and get pizza three times a week, believe it or not. I mean, I'm not surprised. And so you add all that up and you go, all right, just 
cut one out or two out a week, not just the pizzas, but I'm talking about the expensive coffees at three to five bucks. And, you know, that's 15 bucks a week. And in four weeks, you're talking 60 bucks. And in 10 months, you got 600 bucks and, you know, so forth. Just little stuff. And it isn't really a killer, right? No. So, right. You know. Well, let's, let's just talk about this. We talked a little bit about the stimulus check last week. What a perfect starter point for your $2,000 emergency Absolutely. fund. $1,400 that went into your pocket. Why is that not going into that emergency fund as your first step? Well, because you've already spent it in your mind, probably. But you need to be thinking about stuff like that. The next thing that's coming around the corner, everyone's going to be getting their tax return if they haven't already, uh, if, they, if they have money coming to them. If they're self-employed, a lot of times it's the opposite. But for many of our listeners, they have uh, a tax refund that comes sometime in March or April, or in this case, maybe May this year, since you may have procrastinated some more. But either way, there's ways that you can get a large lump sum of money that's coming your way as long as you are planning for it purposefully you may be able to get that emergency fund started really quick. And it's very gut-wrenching, right? To take that stimulus check and save it. Now, remember, you didn't spend it from the last episode. Right. You didn't spend it if you put it in your savings account. It's an emergency fund, so it's still your money. Now, however, it's not money just to tap into because, hey, I want to you know, go to the you know, whatever and spend a hundred bucks to that tonight. concert or that, you know, that yeah, basketball game. I mean, this game. is not emergency money. That's budget money uh, right. for entertainment. So it is gut wrenching or you get your tax return. And we have a lot of people go, oh, I like to overpay all year. So I get a big check in the spring. Then they go blow it. So if it is that gut wrenching, take half of it. All right. This is a start. Yeah. Don't kill yourself. But however, there is a point in time in life where one must be disciplined just a little bit for the long term, okay? And I know it's very hard, especially today. Everything's instant gratification, and so are those checks, right? right? Absolutely. And so it's very hard for us to be disciplined. And I'm telling you, if you don't start now, you'll never do it. Yeah, and don't count on a future stimulus check. I haven't heard any news of I'm, that. I'm gonna, so yeah. leverage the one you've already got. Don't count on the next <laughs> round. I maybe it comes, maybe it doesn't. But Yang Yang will give them to you. Yeah, hey, he's running for mayor in New York, oh, Andrew boy. Yang. Oh, he's working uh, his way in. He, yep, he's he's working his way up the political ladder. But anyway, leverage the one that you have. So here we got the two, the first two stepping stones. Once you get a budget, you get your two thousand dollars in your emergency fund. You have those two things done. Then you need to focus on your third stepping stone, and that's starting to invest. And a lot of people will balk at this, and I know that actually Dave Ramsey is one of them. This is why I don't go with just his baby steps. A lot of people will balk at this number three because they say, well, what about my credit card debt? Or what about my short-term debt? Or what about all these things that I got going on? Well, here's what I will tell you. The investing starts in stepping stone number three, and all I want you to do is invest up to your employer match at work. So if you have an employer match in a 401k, a lot of times what they'll do is if you put 3% of your salary into that 401k, they will give you 3% of their own money, the company's money, and put it in there too. So you're doubling down on whatever you're putting in, which is great. I want you to start that because the biggest factor in investing, it's not going to be your annual return on average, and it's not going to be the money that you put in. It's how long your money is invested. If you start breaking down how compound interest works, the more years you have, the bigger your money pot will be over long periods of time. Now, of course, there's always investment risk and you got to be careful about making sure you have a diversified portfolio and doing things wisely. But in the grand scheme of things, if you start calculating compound interest out, time is the biggest factor when it comes to changing things. So the difference of maybe 
five years or four years or three years of investing could be thousands to tens of thousands to maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on what your portfolio looks like over the lifetime of your retirement funds. So that's why I say get your budget going, get that emergency fund to protect you so that you don't use a credit card when the furnace goes out or the, or the car tires pop or whatever. And then start investing in your 401k, or if you don't have a 401k with an employer, start putting away 100 bucks a month into a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA with an investment advisor. Yep, I agree 100%. Even though our famous budget guys don't push that, um, I think it's creating a habit. And a habit is something that uh, once you get started in that, you'll start to see the value of how much that has grown. And once you start to see the value of that, then you'll start to buy into it. So uh, you have to start somewhere. And we've seen this practically. We have some clients who are self-employed hairdressers who they started off when they first got started working, putting in $10 a week. They said, look, I spend this on pizza over the weekend. I'm going to start saving this up. I have one of the girls who's up to putting in $50 a week. She's been doing this for two or three years now. She's putting $50 a week in there, and she's sitting on a nice chunk of change, $30,000, $35,000 over these last you know five or six years since she started doing it, but even just recently adding more and more money. She's sitting on a huge chunk of change that she's like, I didn't even know this was all adding up. I didn't miss this $10 or this $25 or this $50 when I was doing it. Now I'm sitting on a nice little retirement fund, and she's just in her early 30s. And over time, as she continues to do that, the compound interest is going to be multiplying. It's going to be exponential growth as she sees that. So what I want you guys to think about is, again, you take that stimulus check, you save it in the emergency fund, and then maybe you start saying, okay, I'm going to start cutting out some of these things in my budget so I can start investing it rather than just spending it. Yeah. And even if it's small increments, like you just said, $10 a week, uh, $25 a month, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. just, you know, think it's for yourself. All right. So it's not like go, Oh, I'm just going to cut myself out. Cause I really, I don't want to, I don't want to give up that, you know, 25 bucks every month or whatever, you know, be, be good to yourself. That's Come right. on, let's go. And I'm going to put a little asterisk in here too, because I think some of the people I've talked to will say, well, what I'm saving in my 401k is my emergency fund. And I want you to get away from thinking like that. The money, well, I have a retirement fund that I can borrow against at work. You know, there's all these loan provisions that allow me to borrow from my 401k. I could just take that if something happens. I don't want you to think that way because in general, these are two different goals. We talked about this in our last episode. There's savings and there's investing. Savings is for something that's going to be short term, something like an emergency, something you need soon, and you're not worried about the return you get on it. Investing is much more long term, and we need to think that way when we think about it. We don't want to have all of our emergency fund and our retirement plans all set up in the same account. That's dangerous because what happens when that emergency comes around and now you're set back, you have to change your retirement five years later than what you expected. You don't want to do something like that. You want to have those things completely separated in your mind. Agreed. That's hard to do. Especially when you feel like, I don't make enough money to be able to separate those things. You have to be, what you said, Brad, disciplined and make sure that you're doing that up front. Do something for yourself. Do something for yourself. That's right. And now for stepping stone number four, which is the last one we're going to talk about on this episode, this is where Tori and I are at. This is the short-term debt. 
stepping stones. Removal. You got to get rid of that short-term debt. So you, you start a budget. You know what's coming in. You know what's coming out. Maybe in that budget, you have a line item for your car loan that you have because you bought a used or new car that you're still paying on. Maybe you have a line item in that budget for credit card debt that you're still trying to pay off or student loans. That's a big one. Whatever that short-term debt is, that's going to be any debt that's less than 10 years to pay off. So student loans, they're usually calculated on a 10-year period. Car loans on four, six, eight-year periods, depending on what kind of loan you have. Anything like that credit card debt, hopefully you pay it off faster than eight years. But a lot of times, if you have it racked up pretty good, you can end up in something that could take multiple years to pay off. All those different things, those are what we would consider short-term debt. And the problem with short-term debt is that it is not good debt to have. Now, in some cases with student loans, you can argue some of that. Maybe with a car loan, you could argue some of these things. But the reality is you pay a high, high uh, interest rate on these because there's a short window of payoff period. So for the bank or whoever loans you the money to get their funds out of it, they charge higher interest for short periods. So this is why short-term debt's bad. You pay more to borrow on a short period of time, and we don't want to run into that. It's very different from a mortgage or a business loan or something that's over 15, 20, 30 years. Those are very different interest rates. So we want to get rid of short-term debt as quick as possible because a lot of those assets are depreciating anyway. Your car is worth less when you're done paying it off than when you bought it. So you don't want to get yourself caught into paying all this extra interest for something that's going to be worth less down the road. Yeah, and I think this is where you need professional advisor to help you with, such as Fike Advisors, who is a fiduciary, and we do holistic planning here. So we're here to help you in those kind of things. There's lots of others that'll do that out there, but this if you have multiple short-term debt, there can be a different level uh, depending on interest rates and terms and all that. So, so you should have somebody help review that with you so you know where to start, which ones to pay off first, things of that sort. If you got one item, then that's not a big deal. You just start hammering on it. But I do think uh, that's where uh, good advice does help from an outside uh professional. Right. And I know there's a good chunk of our listeners who are in their late 20s, early 30s who are still battling. And the reason Tori and I are on this step is student debt. Um, That's our last piece of short-term debt. We We paid off all of our vehicles. Pretty much the only two pieces of debt we have is a student loan, and then we have our house loan. And so we're at the last piece of this puzzle. But for a lot of our listeners in their late 20s, early 30s, they're battling through that stuff too. And having a conversation about maybe consolidating loans into something that has a lower interest rate or something that maybe can speed up that stuff. Um, Using that stimulus money to make a payment on a student loan could be something that makes sense if you already have the emergency fund built up, all those different things. Attacking your short-term debt gives you something that's amazing. This This is one of the things that Dave Ramsey and Joseph Sengel both talk about is the debt snowball. What happens is once you start paying off these loans, all of a sudden, that monthly payment that's going to your student loans, that 150 that 250 that $350 a month, once you pay that off, that's now free and liquid capital for you to use to pay off something else or start investing. So all of a sudden, by paying off your debt, you get richer. Now, it doesn't, you're not getting any more wealthy by any means, but what you're doing is you are freeing up more money for you to be able to utilize and leverage to do other things. And while there's tons of arguments about capitalism versus socialism and all this stuff, one of the beauties of capitalism is once you start freeing up capital and investing it properly, what you are able to do is build your wealth. And so getting rid of this short-term debt is one of the biggest steps to start building wealth for you and your family. Uh, Don't get me started on the capitalism versus socialism. (laughs) 
all I can say is do your due diligence, study, and do not listen to the news because capitalism is awesome. And that's all I can say. Yeah, sure. Well, and in this case, if you're trying to build wealth for your family, getting and freeing up capital or money or dollars, whatever you want to call it, freeing that up is a huge, huge step for getting yourself set up for a good retirement, setting your family up for a comfortable living, setting your kids up for a comfortable future so they can get the education they need and get the job that they want. All of that starts with going through these stepping stones and working your way through it. Yep. Now, we don't have enough time to go through the other four stepping stones today. So what we're going to do is in our next episode, we're going to cover five, six, seven, and eight, which include different things, including uh, expanding the emergency fund and paying off your mortgage and when that falls into there and, and maybe some more investing conversation there as well to start building those retirement funds. So those other further steps down the road are going to be big pieces of our conversation. But really to start you off, just to review, the first stepping stone you need is a budget. Get that budget on paper, make a goal, set some things out as to what you want to spend and how much money you have coming in so that you know that you can keep yourself in the positive range. You're not spending more than you have coming in as income. Once you get that budget set, then start saving towards that emergency fund. Once you have $2,000 saved up, It's not a whole lot, but it's enough to keep you comfortable so that you can start investing a little bit through work if you have that or investing on your own if you don't. And then start hammering away at that short-term debt. Pay off those cars, pay off that student loan, pay off those credit cards, get yourself in a good financial position, and then we can start moving towards what we're going to talk about in our next episode. Wonderful. Sounds good. I look forward to the next session. Yeah. it's it, These these are fun conversations. They're very practical. So if you have questions on this stuff, because everyone's different. So again, I talked about this at the beginning of the episode. You may have questions because your situation looks a little goofy. You have something that I didn't mention here or something that's a little more confusing than what we're talking about with the basics. You need to talk to a financial advisor. So you can give us a call at Fike Advisors. You can go to our website and click the Schedule Now button in the top right corner. It's fikeadvisors.com. And right there, there's a link at the top right that takes you right to my digital calendar. It's a free consultation for our first conversation. We talk through what can I help you with? What questions do you have? Do I have the expertise to help you with that? If I do, we'll move forward and talk about how I can help you. If I don't, I'll point you in the right direction to somebody who can. And so you want to get involved in that. Again, fikeadvisors.com. Click schedule now. Um, You can always email me. It's taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at fikeadvisors.com. If you shoot me an email, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have specifically. Maybe if your question is something that a lot of people are asking, it may make its appearance on the podcast like it did in our last episode for uh, Diana. So we'd love to answer those questions if you have them. Um, Brad's available for that stuff too. It's brad, B-R-A-D, at fikeadvisors.com. Shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, we look forward to our next episode. You guys have a good rest of your week. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.